Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Welcome to Right Now-ish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. On today's show, we're talking to someone who is a pillar of San Francisco's hip-hop community and equally well-known for his political activism in the city, Equipto. Famously of the rap group Board Stiff, Equipto has recorded music for 30 years. He was good friends with the late Mac Dre and rock stages with the late Baba Zumbi of Zion I. Nowadays, Equipto still makes music and he tours. He also plays a big role in mentoring the next generation of artists from the Bay. When Equipto's not making music, he's making movements. Over the years, his passion for change has been put on full display. Most notably, in 2015, when he confronted the late San Francisco Mayor Ed Lee about his role in gentrification. Equipto was also part of the Frisco Five, who in the spring of 2016 held a 17-day hunger strike against police brutality. The protests played a big part in the eventual firing of former San Francisco police chief Greg Sir. I recently talked to Equipto via video chat from his current home in New Mexico. He talked about being a proud Frisco representative of Colombian and Japanese descent who juggles the roles of musician, activist, mentor, and one he's growing into, maybe his best role yet, that of being a father. That's right after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. What are some of your favorite things about fatherhood? It's a trip, the responsibility, I guess. I love it. You know, like, life is so precious. Being a father helped me realize that life is so much more than what I've been through, in a sense. And I think, like, just being able to understand, like, wow, because she's like my twin. So I look at her, and it's like looking at myself and my baby pictures and Say she's about to be one year old, and for me, it's just it's, it's a whole new awakening of life. I never thought I would have a child, you know, until I fell in love and thought about having a child. 
I love, you know, taking her to the park. I love getting her diapers. I love doing the dishes while she sleeps. I love, you know, I love the whole schedule and everything, you know, father. Being responsible to others, that does bring out the best in us. You've relocated as a part of parenthood. You're now living in New Mexico. You're co-parenting. You're in a new community. I have relocated. I'm in Sacramento, co-parenting. A lot of parallels. I'm wondering for you, what's the hardest part of learning a new community, especially somebody who's so ingrained in San Francisco? I'm such a city boy, man. You know, and I love nature. I love nature. I love the mountains. I love getting away. But but living here, <laughs> so that's another story. The mother of my child, she's a muralist. She's, you know, does jewelry. She's an MC as well. So she has a community of folks that I've been able to like somewhat, you know, build with in certain areas and whatnot. But to me, it's like a hermit life. The adjustment is kind of like, I'm not really that social, you know, when it comes to meeting too many people out here. Like I stick to the family, you know, I miss home. Obviously sometimes you have to cross certain paths in order to get to where you're going. You know what I mean? And I think, I believe this is just an area I'm in for the time being. Everything will be beautiful as long as my daughter knows her roots and knows, you know, her family. Time away. Um, I know that it can cause you to look at home differently. And I'm wondering, how often do you come back home? And when you do come back to the city, do you look at it differently? Oh, my God. Like they say, you gotta, you got to love it to hate it. Because I love it, but I hate that motherfucker. The traffic, the changes, it's like, oh my God, it's the Valencia changes every goddamn month or something, you know, bike lane, this lane, you can't turn down there. You know, new businesses that are just like not community based. It's tough, man. It's disparity. You know what I mean? You see the houseless folks and then you see the Lamborghini rolling right next to it. You know what I mean? And, and with San Francisco, particular you know everything oakland san jose they're all becoming the same thing where but san francisco in particular just has this you know main vein of capitalism with the metropolitan city so it always attracts and it, it gives you know this new life and in order for that to happen like they, they just had the president and everything in order for that to happen it has to be a clean sweep right they got to make the city look pretty It's a lot of identity politics, you know, as we deal with in the Bay Area, period. And seeing that take effect is hard. But then you see the resistance still there. You see the murals on the wall, you see the protests, you see the people uprising. And that shit touches my heart when I see that online and I'm not home, you know what I'm saying? Seeing folks, you know, going to jail, seeing folks just shut down the bridge, shut down the ships, you know what I mean? Like, all that is beautiful. That's similar, man, where I see the changes, it does mess my head up, where I'm like, this block wasn't a one-way back in the day. Like, when did they change that, you know? Um, but then it's the people, right? It's the folks that you've known, you've seen them grow, you've seen them invest in their craft and flourish, and you're like, yes, this is why I come back home. This is why home is home, right? And and you specifically, you've been working with younger musicians, um, folks from Family Not a Group, The Watershed. And I'm like, what is your goal in working with this next generation of artists from the Bay? Just being consistent, like being involved in things. And sometimes I don't want to say people fall off, but you know, some people of your age, you know, people 49 ain't still rapping that I was rapping. So you kind of do it with who's doing it sometimes. 
I like cross-generational music. I like digging with, learning from the old folks, digging on what they're doing. For them to have like any like, you know, reverence and looking at me a certain way, like, hey man, what's up? You're equipped though. Like, I, I take advantage of that in a good way. It's like, okay, let me, you know, show you what I've been through. My experience maybe prevent you from what I went through. It's always kind of been like, I mean, like I've known Quinn since he was 11. I was probably like 15, 16 or something. Quinn, San Quinn. He's, yeah, he, he, on a recent podcast, he mentioned that you taught him how to write bars, like how to structure his raps. Quinn is a born rapper. There's not too many of those, you know, like a born rapper. Like, and I seen him at 11 years old, you know what I mean? Like, and I knew it. Like, even at me being 15, like, this is so dope, just naturally. With some take years and years and years to accumulate the skills. It's just like a natural instinct impulse for some people. So it's been always an honor to like see the younger generation flourish and just be a part of that in a sense. All them folks doing their thing in San Francisco is incredible. You know what I mean? I love it. This idea of mentorship and looking out for the next generation or even people who are younger than you just by a couple of, of years. Who are the mentors who taught you and what are the important things that they taught you? My father's very musical. My father was just a, a jazz promoter, radio disc jockey for KPFA, you know, early 80s type of thing. And I would be with him backstage. Incredible artists, you know, Billy Harper, Sun Raw, Tito Puente. It, so it's like I, I grew up under this culture that he introduced to black culture and always taught me kind of like to understand that and to respect that. My mother always would teach me to follow my dreams and to always consider other people and what they're going through. I'd be a little kid walking by houseless folks on the street and she said, she would always tell me like, never look down on folks like that. You never know what they're going through. They have dreams too. And it always stuck with me about they had, they had dreams too. It brought me to being kind of like a caring person, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not like, oh, I'm an angel or anything like that. It's never, ever, ever get that twisted. But as far as like when it comes to the arts and crap, if you're in position to do something, you do it. Like my mother always taught me, if you have a sandwich and you give, you give that other half a sandwich to someone if they're hungry, always. I'm not too much of a social person, but when I have homes, you know what I'm saying? And folks, I love that atmosphere. I love that environment. I love being around that. You know, and, and I get a lot of energy from that, you know. So I think that's part of it as well. I love being, you know, around a lot of folks that are similar minded, you know, and, and when it comes to the craft. Love is at the heart of a lot of what you're saying and a lot of the work that you do. The love, the demands for justice, working with your mother on the front lines. Nearly a decade ago, you two were part of the Frisco Five, a, a hunger strike to hold police accountable in the most succinct way to say it. A lot of people see me and, and they'll be like, oh, he's so angry all the time. He's protesting, he's yelling. We fight for love at the end of the day. That's something that we get misconstrued and people don't understand when, you know, you're deprived of something, it becomes a demand. And that's, that's language, you hear demand. It's like, why are they demanding this? Because we're deprived of something. You know what I mean? Like, and when you're deprived of something, you're not going to be the most, you know, peaceful person, quote unquote. And but when you look where the root comes from, it's because you're separating people from their love, from their community, from their family. You know what I mean? Like, 
And so at the end of the day, all we're fighting for when we see protests and demonstrations and folks organizing for a better society, it's all for the love. There was a lot of things that came from that. But one of the things that stood out to me was a conversation that I then had with an artist by the name of Baghead and Jules and talking to them about how seeing your work impacted them. And I'm just seeing this like trickle down, you know, it's passing of the baton. And so I'm like, from your perspective, what's it like for you to see your mentorship show up in the arts and politics? Man, that's everything I asked for when it comes to this, you know what I'm saying, the music, the craft. If, if people could mobilize from this, you know, get inspired from not just my music, my actions, you know, and understand like, wow, it actually can make a difference. People power can make a difference. Organizing is actually cool. You don't just have to perform at a rally. You could actually help organize a rally those type of things like selflessness in a sense you know like individualism is also very attached to you know performance and entertainment and you know hip-hop and whatnot you have a broken heart you listen you know to music that helps heal you and for me to be an artist, you want to create that feeling, create that healing. You want someone to feel healed from it or motivated, inspired. And I think I never truly felt that until I really got active with the community, like started organizing, doing things, hitting the front lines with folks and having comrades. And I think that's what happened. Students saw that, like, oh, that's the crypto that did Jungle with Nicotina and 4 a.m. Braybridge music and this, you knew Mac Dre and all, you know, how they think, you feel me? And you use that. You use that just like the Panthers used, you know, the leather jackets and the boot. Why you, you got to use that? I was like, yes, come on, fuck with this. It, and it's beautiful. It's like the most fulfilling feeling that I could feel. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, where it's like, okay, damn, it does work. People are motivated, people are inspired. Zumbi, Zumbi. Yeah. When he passed the mic to me, Zumbi in the afterlife with satellite Zoom in. I'm tired of all these Zoom meetings. I saw you recently performing in Santa Rosa with Monk, with Professor Gable, with Rich Ayala. And the thing that I took in was that y'all were having fun. Like, it was a joyous occasion, you know? Like, people, there was bars, it was, you know, real rap. Like, it was high energy and people were having fun. And from your perspective, going on that tour with that group of young folks, what do you think that tour did for them? I think it just taught them, like, responsibility, you know, that type of thing. Because when you're on tour, you know, you got to check in the hotel. You gotta, you know, you gotta be on time to the band. You gotta make the next venue. You gotta get sound check. You gotta have a merch booth set up. It's not like we have a machine in the sense of people that are not involved, right? We hands on ourselves. I'm there at my merch booth. You know, I'm gonna take my box of the whoop. I'm gonna talk to the sound man, shake hands. I'm gonna talk to the venue owner, make sure I have a relationship so I could come back if everything goes good. You know what I mean? Like teaching them those type of, you know, steps. I guess they're all gonna like go first like you know bigger venues in a sense they're gonna go you know to more organized uh promoters i've become in a sense since this bridge to get you know to the next level you've worked with people clear across the board i'm just wondering how do you navigate working with people of so many different backgrounds i think just being a student of the game being a student of hip-hop i love it 
I love it. Like I'm, I'm just one of those dudes that came up loving Mac Dre, loving Tribe Called Quest, loving E40, loving Black Sheep, you know, loving Too Short, loving De La Soul. And growing up in the Bay, it's kind of like, it's inevitable to like not be, you know, overwhelmed by this, you know, mob sound or, you know, overwhelmed. Like we came up backpack era. So we were like, you know, kind of like, oh, who these kids rapping? You know, and Cyphers is like, you know what I mean? Like we were Cyphers before it was cool to Cypher. So it was like my rap fit in with a, with a, you know, a Keek verse or something. You know, my rap could fit in with a Sibo verse here and there. You know what I mean? Like I was honored to be a part of that type of, you know, diversity in a sense. You know what I mean? Like where I could do it. Cause I know a lot of people can't do it. It's just got, it's just part of, I think, delivery, cadence and like experience. Exactly. Life experience and being a full human and knowing that at sometimes I relate to a SIBO and other times I relate to this artist, you know? Oh, man. What's wrong with that? I love it that you don't. There's no separation. Backpack, gangster, political, player, whatever. It's Bay Area culture all in one. Definitely. It's definitely Bay Area. <laughs> What's the difference for you? between fatherhood and mentorship, aside from the obvious blood relation? Fatherhood, I'll never, I don't care how old she is, whatever, I'll never leave her side. Other folks, like, hey, things might happen. Friendships, relationships, whatever it is, you know, like, yeah, you know, to me, it's just like, I can never turn my back on my my daughter. I don't turn back on regular folks, but I'm saying some things might cross the line, like, she might grow up. I know how it is. I'm a son. I, I you know, across the line many times with my parents, you know, many times where I would have been like, God damn, how did you do that? You're juggling a lot, clearly, um, but still finding time to work. I've heard that you're working on a film coming out soon. Can you tell me a little bit about that? The film is a documentary um, of Board Stiff. Board Stiff is a hip hop group out of San Francisco, um, early 90s, kind of, uh, that I'm a part of. You have a fan base and a generation of people a community of folks, 12 members. We did a lot, you know what I mean? Like on the underground scene during the, you know, the like Living Legends era, Missy Journeyman, uh, Hieroglyphics, Mixed Practice, Homeless Derelicts, so many dope underground groups of that era. We thought we have so much dope footage from the 90s that people were like tripping off of, like shout out to Spy and other folks that, that came with the footage, that we have to come with a documentary and there's a story to it. It's a deep story. You know, it's it's, a, it's not just about the group, it's kind of like about San Francisco as well during a certain era and growing up in that era and kind of products of that. Looking forward to that, shout out to Spy. All right, my guy, appreciate it. Enjoy the time with the little one. Peace. Big thank you to Equip, though, for chopping it up with me. This conversation was long overdue. I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing more of your work. Yeah, I'm on the grind daily, trafficking through I-80. I'm just a player. These hoes will try to drive crazy. Pay me no attention unless you got to choose a fee. But keep in mind, there's only so much you could do for me. Baby, and listeners, to keep up with Equip, though, check him out on Twitter at his name, E-Q-U-I-P-T-O, and on Instagram at Equipto underscore 415. And you can find his music on all streaming platforms.
This episode was hosted by me, Pindarvis Harshaw. It was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena. It was edited by Chris Hambrick and Jorge Olivares. Sheree Bishop is our production intern. Christopher Beal is our engineer. Additional support provided by Jen Chin, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Or Dursun, and Holly Kernan. If you enjoyed this episode, pass it to a friend. It goes a long way to help our show land the new ears. Thanks. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Peace. I am Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.